very good morning to everybody, and depending on where you are in the world, if you're in South Africa, it's good morning. If you're elsewhere, good day, good afternoon, good evening, depending on where you're joining us from. Welcome to our IITPSA Special Interest Group in Artificial Intelligence and Robotics webinar. That's a mouthful, try and say that 10 times <laughs> fast. So welcome to everybody, a very warm welcome to our special guest this morning, Dr. Jacques Ludic, and of course to our webinar host, Johan Stein, who is our IITPSA Chapter Chairperson of the Special Interest Group in Artificial Intelligence and Robotics, and also our Harting Chapter Chairperson. So welcome, Johan. Welcome, Dr. Jacques. To our delegates who are busy joining us at the moment, good to have you with us this morning, bright and breezy and early at 8 o'clock on a Thursday morning. Welcome. We are going, I'm going to hand over to Johan to introduce our guest and to take the webinar forward. Um, but Johan and Jacques, I will be here if you need me. As usual, I'll be monitoring the chat and so on. So to our delegates, please feel free to use the chat group to say hello. Let us know where you're joining us from. If you're joining from outside of South Africa in particular, we'd love to know that. And uh, post your questions and comments so that we can keep the conversation going. Over to you, Han, and Dr. Jacques. Tony, thank you so much, as always, uh, to you and your team at the IIT PSA for helping us um, have these webinars for all the marketing and, and the work behind the scenes. Thank you so very much. Um, I'm very excited today to welcome Dr. Jacques Ludic to our conversation. I have followed Jacques' work for a long time and, and we, we communicate quite often and, and I really look up to Jacques as a thought leader in this field. And he started a number of companies and initiatives and, and it always makes me so proud to hear about the um, actually quite a great amount of organizations in South Africa who are doing world-class work in the era and in the field of smart technology. A little bit about Jacques, he is the founder and the CEO of Cortex Logic and the Cortex Group. He is the founder and president of the Machine Intelligence Institute of Africa, the founder of Sapiens.network and an author and one of his latest books is called um, democratizing artificial intelligence to benefit everyone shaping a better future in the smart technology era and i'll put that amazon link in the chat box uh, jacques good morning welcome i hope you're doing well thank you very much uh, thank you good morning to you as well Johan. thank you tony for the introduction as well great to be here looking forward to the webinar Thank you, Jacques. Uh, one of the things I've learned from you is, and I've been using it a lot, is to rather speak of the smart technology era yeah. as opposed to the fourth industrial revolution. Yeah. What is the distinction there and why would you prefer um, we use the word smart technology era? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I do have some slides that actually kind of describes it as well because we, we, we actually live in an interesting era where you see the fusion of a number of smart technologies of which artificial intelligence is one. It's an exponential technology. But what's actually interesting, we, we sit in, a, in an interesting time where you see the information and digital revolution being expanded by smart technology as well. So, and I think they talk about the fourth industrial re revolution, but I think it's not just industrial. It's clearly uh, there's a digital revolution also impacting the industrial revolution. And it was clear that the industrial revolution also impacted initially the, the digital revolution as well, or information um, revolution. So, so I think it's an interplay. And, and because it's so pervasive, it, it really covers all sectors, all parts of economies and so forth. Mm -hmm. I think it's, 
is probably more an apt term uh, to talk about a smart technology era. And actually, I have a slide, and maybe maybe it's uh, I can maybe quickly show that to you. Mm. Um, so I've got one slide that just uh, let me just quickly show talking about the smart technology era um, and this particular one, where if if you look at a business and you think about value being unlocked over time. And you can see this, there's various industries, there's agriculture and fishery and metals. And, and then on top of that, there was the industrial and financial sectors where lots of values being unlocked. And then from 1995 to 2019, you saw the internet uh, era where you see, and now we see the biggest tech companies in the world are, are internet uh, or, or technology driven companies. And because we've instrumented the world, we, we entered uh, the smart technology era, or we, what people call about call it the AI era. This is what SoftBank, this is actually a slide from SoftBank and now they see the world. And AI is kind of a proxy here for smart technology. And this is kind of a, a slide that's kind of summarizes uh, this for me as well. Mm. So before we get to some of the societal things, yeah. which is a passion of mine too, let's maybe touch a bit on, on what you do. So Cortex Group, uh, yes. Machine Institute, and so forth. So maybe just take a few minutes of talking us through all the stuff that you're doing. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's exciting. And, and, and you know what, we, when, we, when I started uh, Cortex, um, the focus was really on AI-driven enterprise solutions to big corporates, especially in, here in South Africa, and, uh, and across multiple spectrums. So, so it was in retail, finances, minerals, metals, mining. My previous AI company that I sold to General Electric, Season Systems, we predominantly focused on the minerals, metals, mining, manufacturing industries worldwide. Um, so obviously, we capitalized on that know-how expertise, also in logic. But then what we did over, over the last few years is to, to, to transition from a pure just AI enterprise play to an AI-driven platform play, where you can get a lot more scale and, and also have more impact. So our current focus is, is really on health wellness, financial wellness. Um, we, are, we, we actually have an a, a app called Vive Teams that will be launched in partnership with Media24 on the 2nd of September. Very exciting about this. Uh, Media24 is our, um, is our media partner on that. But that is focused on a personal wellness companion for teenagers. Um, and we've got in incentives built in with cryptocurrency, the VIV token, um, and all sorts of different exciting things where we actually use kind of almost like a fusion of these small technologies. Uh, because blockchain and cryptocurrency is another very important techni uh, technology that can make a big difference. So we're utilizing that smart technology stack to a, to a large effect. Um, and we do the same with journey wellness, which is kind of, uh, which is more kind of a holistic wellness type of platform. Uh, we, we've got very specific focus on well, wellness insights and fitness and exercise and financial wellness and all of those pieces. And we're also bringing in cryptocurrency there as well. Um, and for me, it's about how can we democratize um, digital healthcare? And I think if you look at some of the best applications, if you look at the list of applications where you can make the biggest impact. I would say healthcare and education is two massive areas. And, and that's why we focus on that. I've also invested in a company called the Student Hub, uh, which is obviously an educational play. NASPAS also invested there. Um, that's kind of, kind of the education track. Obviously in healthcare, 
and wellness, there's a lot of education also that needs to happen there. So it needs to be content driven and so forth. So, so that is very much part of the focus. Um, and then I would say on the Machine Intelligence Institute of Africa front, it's a non-profit. Um, the focus is really very much along the things, the activities that you're also involved in. How can we shape that better future? How can we build the capacity um, in, in Africa? How can we help transform Africa, empower people with smart technology, helping people to, to adapt to this new era uh, in, a, in, a, in a better way? So we are also MICTA CETA accredited. Uh, so we can provide training courses and data science and machine learning. Um, so that's quite exciting. Yeah. So if for me, these business, like Cortex Logic and with Vive Teams and with Journey, it's, it's all vehicles to actually um, make a difference and, and help shape that better future. It's in, and show how technology can be used for social good, for better outcomes. And it's our little contribution to make a difference there. And, and we're obviously trying to be impactful and also scale in Africa and scale international with the solution. So very exciting. Uh, that's that's kind of in a nutshell. Uh, happy to address any more questions on that. Certainly, Jacques. Thank you. Uh, Sapiens.network, I, I quickly wanted to touch on that. Yes. Yes. Hey, Sapiens, I actually have some slides uh, on that. I would love to talk about that as well. I, I see incredible potential uh, for, for Sapiens. So maybe what I will do is, can I quickly... Um, talk about that because I would love to talk about the, the massive transformative purpose as well because you will see how Sapiens actually addresses uh, that very, very well. But I'm, I'm just going to quickly jump to, uh, sorry, I've got a few, there's a few slides, exciting slides that I would love to cover uh, as well as we go on. Um, so if we think about the Sapiens uh, as such, it's, uh, it is, let's just quickly go there. There we go. I've got it. So um, it, it is it is a human-centric, user-controlled, AI-driven super platform. And I'm also going to explain why, it's, why I think it's needed and something like this is needed. Uh, because we do sit with tech giants and, and social media platforms that pretty much dictate uh, a lot to users as well. Users, users are not necessarily in control and not necessarily in a, in a position to monetize their data and services as well. It's actually the tech giants that's um, making, that's capitalizing on, on your data as well. So what, what, what I'm proposing with, with Sapiens specifically is it's, uh, we're bringing personalized AI agents that not only empowers individuals, so instead of having, uh, with the tech giants have their own AI agents, recommendation engines, and they drive basically, the, I don't want to say it's manipulation, but it touches on that. If we've got something that's really batting for us, trying to protect us and also empower us and monetizes our data and services, um, and then also within our um, further groups, if you think about within families, within virtual groups, within companies, in communities, cities, city states, you can actually uh, spread it out as well. And you've got these AI assistants that's really batting for, for the individuals and also for the various organizations. Um, I, I think we can get to a better scenario. And, and the, what, what I specifically, uh, the reasons for this, uh, the question is why Sapiens? Um, so, and we're gonna, I know we're gonna talk about this massive transformative uh, purpose for humanity and in its goals. 
But the way I'm looking at this is, uh, first of all, it addresses a huge gap in the market and society that as there's currently no global solution of this nature at scale to make lives easier and more optimal for the user. So, so, so that's the first point. Currently, we sit also with, with very fragmented apps and platform business ecosystem worldwide, especially in the West. We, we know in, in, in China, you do have like the WeChat, we've got these super platforms there. What I'm envisioning is not platforms that's being controlled by tech giants or by governments, but that is decentralized, um, obviously using blockchain technology as well, um, where you actually empower people uh, and make sure that the benefits of AI and applications can also be spread to the individuals, to the stakeholders, to people that participate. And the other big thing for me is, and I do see some specific solutions there is, but not a global solution. Um, I don't see solutions where the user has full control of their own data with proper privacy and governance without being exploited, controlled or manipulated in some way. So, so that, that is the, the, the issue. So how can we use smart technology for beneficial outcomes? Um, and uh, for me, the other thing is, I think Google and some of the tech giants will also try to come up with services where they actually provide people with AI agents, but we don't see it yet. So there is an opportunity to actually come with a service that's, um, that, that you provide each person with their own personalized AI agent that learns for them, that helps them, that helps to optimize things for them, um, and then monetize their data and services. Um, and then you can spread it out, as I've said. So I've got some more slides that goes a bit more details around what it does um, and how it can optimize things and so forth. And maybe to, to finish off this particular um, uh, discussion on this, um, so the, the, what I'm looking at here, if you look at a single node for an individual user, so each user, we know data is in the oil. Data is so crucial. And we generate as we instrument ourselves. In the future, I think even from a healthcare perspective, we're going to be a lot better instrumented. There's going to be so much data available about us, our activities, our behavior, all of those kind of things. So I think data is crucial and it's everything that captures my lifestyle, everything that I'm doing. So it's my data. If you can secure that, manage that, you've got control of that. That's huge. And then you've got an AI assistant that interacts with my data, but also interacts with my digital connections. And then I've got a whole list of things that this AI assistant can do uh, to proactively optimize my life and, 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 and mention all the things that I've, that I've mentioned before. Um, so there's quite a bit to uncover here and to talk more about this, but it's, um, I'm quite excited about this. Um, as soon as I'm finished with the audiobook recordings and stuff, um, there will be a lot more communications on this and I will talk more about um, how this could work within a broader ecosystem with businesses and users and service providers and, and so forth. But very exciting. Sorry, long answer, but uh, that's, that's good. good. <laughs> <laughs> well, so that's exciting. I, I want to touch on the application um, in yes. our own country. During the, the session today, here and there, I'd just like to do a few shout outs as I recognize names. One of our delegates uh, today is uh, Professor Andre Karlitz from Nelson Mandela University, Department of Computer Sciences. So, Dr. Car or Prof. Karlitz, welcome. Uh, we'll get to some others and shout out soon. Um, Jacques, I, as in the intro, I spoke about yes. the fact that there are many organizations doing great work um, yes. in, in commerce when it comes to smart technology, but also in, in for societal good. It, 
does seem quite fragmented and that they're not all working together. So yeah. if you take this, um, the slides that you've just shown us, yes. and if we look at what do we all together need to do, because every one of us on this webinar today have some influence and some network, yes. um, what do we need to do? And uh, let me almost ask, where are we at the moment from a smart technology era point of view as South Africans? Yeah. What do we need to do? And it's most likely that answer could fill the whole webinar, but <laughs> it's uh, taken from there. hundred <laughs> percent. Um, and, and what I try to do with the book as well, I've tried to make sense because there's so much information out there in terms of what thought leaders are saying as well. So I've got my own thoughts and you've got your own thoughts. And I think there's lots of interesting ideas, but people have been thinking about this and, and, and the book I'm trying to synthesize and bring it all together. I think there's, it's probably at, at multiple levels, um, there's things that we can do. Um, on the individual level, um, I think we can make sure that we can run with the machines, that we can empower ourselves, that we empower our, our families, our children, the people around us, the people that we can influence. Um, also make sure as if you're company owners or involved in companies, if you've got an influence there or organizations, is think carefully about, we're sitting on exponential curves and we see how the world is changing how can we adapt quick enough? Because it's about 21st century skills. It's, it, we need to have those. We need to be comfortable with change. So we need to change those kind of mindsets. But we've got to think carefully about, um, obviously, when you think about jobs and, and all of those kind of things. So for me, it's also a much broader thing. We need really all stakeholders to communicate because there needs to be a shift in priorities of economic, political, education systems, to empower individuals to stay ahead in the race with the robots or the machines and so forth. Um, we obviously need to develop policies to, to assure that development is the, um, of AI is directed to social good or augmenting humans, um, not replacing them. How can we be augmented? Um, and then we need to improve human collaboration across borders, stakeholder groups. So I think the things that you are also doing, that, that I'm also doing, I think, is, is very important building blocks. And we need a lot more people to interact, to communicate, um, to talk about um, the positive, the negatives, the risks. And so that we navigate um, this um, us in the right direction. We need, and we can take responsibilities and it starts with communities as well. Um, and that's that's why I'm talking about sapiens. If, if I go through the massive transformative purpose for humanity, you will see that I'm, I think my conclusions of everything I've read and 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 the way I'm making sense of it, I think the future should be more more, more local and more human centric, and we can create that future and use smart technologies just as tools to help to help us with that. We can use smart technology to help create abundance. I think a Star Trek economy is possible, but we shouldn't be our own biggest enemies in that. So we need to have the big picture in mind. Think about humanity as a whole. I'm 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 also. I know people are, are nationalistic and think about individual groups, but, but we are, we actually all, we, we, humanity is connected via the internet. We've got this nervous system. Things that happen in China, things that happen in Europe, in Luxembourg, in, in US, in Argentina, all of the places affect one another in some way. The economy is anyway connected. We've created this, world, this very connected world. Um, and the problems that we face is, is, is global in nature. Look at climate change. We need to, you can't just try and do something. You can, you can do something here, yeah, but you've got to do it in collaboration with um, other countries, other people. 
Um, so I think there's no, even if we look, if everything is said and done and we do the right things, we're going to be a more united humanity. Um, that's going to be the better, better outcome. There's no question about it. And we can see also how easily we can connect with people that think like us from other countries as well. And we've got lots of friends and, and so forth. So I think uh, that human collaboration is, is massively important. And it's almost like we're going in the wrong direction if we say South Africa first or America first and, and those kind of things. So obviously you want to look locally uh, at, your, at your people. And I think it's very important. It's very important to preserve cultures all of those kind of things, but we can do it in a balanced way and still be connected. That's why I'm more local, more human-centric. I would love to see more decentralized, therefore, and, and user-controlled. Um, and I've got very specific policy, policies and things that I want to suggest around that. Um, in terms of your question of forest in Africa, we are really at the at the bottom of, of where we, we, we haven't tapped we just have a fourth industrial revolution commission. We've started with things, but we haven't really implemented things. Um, I would love to see one of the best things that we can do at scale is to educate people at, at, uh, with smart technology, with 21st century skills, and all the and equip them, empower them with smart technology related skills, so so that they can actually be empowered to unlock the potential. Just think how many people sit out there. That's, that almost feel there's no hope or there's, they don't see a future. They don't see in five years, 10 years, I can actually do this. Um, and that, that is the, we, that's my mindset because I know we can do it and we're doing it. But can we democratize smart technology so that more people are empowered to actually do that? Um, and, 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 and I would say governments, if, it's got such an important role. Uh, I feel almost the last decade was the last decade in terms of that. And we've got opportunities every day to move the needle. And, and, and I know we're dealing with COVID. There's so many problems and stuff, but, and, and we need to deal with that. But there, well, there's still choices that we can make um, to, to, to actually fast track us in the right direction. Otherwise, we're going to be kind of left behind. And we don't want that. We don't want that. We don't want to be this kind of left behind um, part of humanity that's, it's, it's, I think it's not good for humanity to, to have, uh, you, because you also create more risk here uh, if, if you do have that, because we are connected. Anyway, so I can go on and on. There's, there's so much to discuss on this so. A quick shout out to Neville Cousins um, from Business Process Enablement South Africa, the PESA. They, they are one of the, the organizations that I think we should all work closer with. I mean, they do a lot of work yeah. around making sure that local people and youngsters are employed. If we think of a business process outsourcing, call centers and the like. Again, many of these organizations that you know, we can all work closer with. Yeah. Job, the next question could have a political answer, but I think let's just have a realistic answer. Okay. <laughs> My sense, personal sense, is that the ruling party's existence depends on the amount of people who get social grants. So why would, and, and this is just what I wonder, why would government really push for this digital divide to be addressed for more and more young people to enter the workforce? So it, and, and I might be wrong, and I'm sure you can't say government as a whole. I'm just wondering, are we, how can I put it, spitting against the wind when it comes to social upliftment across the board in our country using this technology, if it seems, if I'm right, that we won't have that support from government. And again, we don't have to politicize it, yeah. but reality, you know. 
Yeah, so I, I think, uh, do you know what? If I even look at United Nations 2030 vision, um, it's you can't fault that, you can't fault the SDGs, and, and I've got specific uh, goals that I've got for the massive transformative purpose for humanity. If South Africa could adapt that, I, 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 that, that would be unbelievable, um, to, because that will make a big difference. So I think what's happening with this in terms of social grants and so forth, I think there's probably a tactical play, strategic play. It's it's a power play with, with governments, and it's, we see this across the globe. So it's not just here in South Africa. It's we, we sit with our own um, specific issues and problems as well. And sometimes, so so basically, what we need here is visionary leadership to say, let's look at the big picture. And this is where, and also longer term. And this is where what you can admire. You, you can always complain about China and what they do, and there's many things that are not happy with, but there are things that that's also make sense. They do have kind of a long-term view on things. And and even though they say, um, I don't want to, um, they, they're, they're kind of, they talk about edutech companies that needs to be non-profit organizations and, and it's kind of disrupt things there and so forth. Um, but they're also wary of tech giants having too much influence. So there needs to be a balance, but you want to have governments and tech giants and industry and people, we need to have a nice balance between all of it. The citizens need to be empowered as well. So I've got specific solutions where you say, we need to empower the citizens more and forget this power play. So, and it's really unfortunate if social grants is, and, and those kind of things are being used as part of a power play scenario as well. So I think we need to be, it's part of sense making, but we need to be honest. Um, and and we, we think about, Everyone there in the street, every every person there. How can we move the needle from here to there and make really a difference and ignore political plays and difference? I think we need to go a step above it. We need to step above it. And and uh, we need to think about, and this is what I'm also advocating for, is character building and, and virtues and, and so forth. And if you, our leaders can be embodiment of that and really that, I've got the, the, the citizen's interest at heart here. I'm not going to just try and be in power uh, as well. So I think there's lessons to learn, um, but it starts with the individuals. It starts with individual leadership within the governing parties. And it, I think it's across the globe. It's, it's unfortunately, I, I would love to see countries doing it right, but there's not, it almost, there's not even one country that's getting it perfectly right. Um, there's some good, US has done some good stuff, but they're also struggling. The China's not doing some good stuff, but they're also making some uh, moves that's very questionable. Um, and you can talk about each country in Africa as well. There's so much more that we can do the African countries. And we see Rwanda, you see Kenya, these countries that's trying to adopt and move fast with smart technology. And they set some examples. Um, and we can learn, South Africa can learn from, from, from that as well. Um, yeah, so it's, uh, <laughs> I've, I've got actually one of the goals, the NTP goals where I talk about uh, also a balance between um, population growth and population decline. And you see in China, if you just go to one child policy, now suddenly you say, well, we can't uh, sustain the growth and you've got all sorts of issues. You don't have enough women to, to match the men, all sorts of issues. So you've got to be very careful. Um, but, but also you've got to be also careful with population growth where, where you say, uh, because it's about quality of life. What do we want to optimize? We want to maximize quality of life um, as far as possible. So I'm 
<laughs> I talked quite a bit about that and the NTP for humanity. Uh, we can maybe talk about that as well. <laughs> Super. Well, uh, I want to quickly just uh, look at a comment and two questions, uh, Jean, yes. and then after that, I definitely want to get to massive transformative purpose. Yeah, a quick shout out again to Lenore Perringham, who has been working in many fields, but I got to know her from a robotic process, smart automation perspective, um, and we often have these chats. What? How do we compete better by automating and not leave our people behind. Um, you've mentioned females. I don't know if Yolandi is, is on the call. I can't see her. She leads the, the women in um, IT chapter. In fact, I'm chatting with her a little bit later today to see how can we as a accounting chapter not work closer with them. But these these are relevant and real issues. Comments from uh, Tushar Das, and I hope I pronounce your, your name correctly. Your sapiens concept is really a need of time. Excellent. Doing it my way, avoiding manipulation of tech giants is really needed. So that's a, a good uh, comment, uh, Tusha. Yeah. Maybe if we can take the two questions that I see here together, Jacques. Um, Neville yeah. from Pesa says, is identity management planned for sapiens and AI assistants? Um, and then Prof Carlet says or asks, is the AI assistant similar to your digital twin? So identity management and digital twin. Interesting questions. Great question. Great questions. Yeah, that's quite interesting. Um, even in applications with CCN systems and, and Cortex, uh, we are in the business of Azure instrument uh, uh, businesses or instrument processes or equipment. You can create this digital twin, uh, which is like you, 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 instrument just means you've got lots of sensors around that, lots of data. Because of that, you can create models that simulate a, a business or a process or a piece of equipment, and then you can very quickly optimize that uh, as well. So I think when, when you talk about digital twins, um, then clearly with humans, and this is the world we're going into. There's no question about it. Um, we uh, just imagine a world where you've got your instrument, you've got nano, you've got sensors in your bloodstreams, you've got all sorts of things. You would know 10 years before it actually happens that you can potentially have cancer or have a disease and you can be kind of uh, you can be preventative around this. We can go from sick care to, to really healthcare, where, where you actually look after yourself and improve the quality of, of life as well. But but not only that, if you've got, just think about all your interactions with, with our cell phones, we, we are actually instrumenting ourselves as well. This, well, I've got smart watches, smart watch here. So I'm, I'm tracking that, I'm tracking my sleep patterns. Not everybody's doing it, but this is just little, looking to what will be in the future because this stuff will be very cost effective and scalable uh, going forward and then we'll instrument more people um, so the instrumentation is there so the question is what do we do so we are going to generate so much data in our homes in our cars in our wherever we work our bodies has got just think about all the data that we can assemble from all of this and our interactions as well. And if you've got an AI system that say, I'm, I'm going to batch for you. I'm going to help optimize your quality of life based on all the information, your health, your finances, all sorts of stuff. That, that is a future where smart technology is making a difference in my life. And I think also we need to, and that's why I've got a chapter in the book that talks about what does it mean to be human in the 21st century? We can stay, be human-centric. Why do we need to change who we are, uh, we are biological, this is who we are. Just use tools to help us. Um, the other point was about digital identity. Um, and, and I think that's that's why it's so important. If, if other people control my data, 
and I don't have control over my digital identity and say governments control it. And that could be a big problem. It could be a really bad scenario for, for the world. If you've got, say, digital dictatorship, um, <clears throat> who wants to live in a world where I'm, at least when I don't have technology, I can go there in a bush and I can, nobody can, I can do what I want. I've got freedom. I think freedom of privacy is important. But if someone controls all my data, who I am, that, that is a, that is like George Orwell, Big Brother, Thought Police scenario that is by far worse. So that's why we were actually at, at a predicament here where things could go really wrong and it, or it could be going fantastic. It could be utopia. It could be a protopia uh, as well. So that's why we need vision and leadership. Um, anyway, let's discuss this. So before we get to another question, let's touch on this massive transformative purpose. Yes. Because that's the one thing I read more and hear more you say than anything else. And I love it. But in a, if you could, in a nutshell, but what does yeah, it I, mean? I, will, I will do it. I, I will, I've, I've got a, I've got actually some specific uh, slides on that. So what, what I will do is I'm going to be very, very quick on this, but I think it's very important. The reason for this is I, I think we do have, United Nations that comes up with stuff, but I also commented on some of the SDGs um, where I see some shortcomings. And I think what, what actually what it's about, as individuals, we want to be, I think it's important to have a purpose. And you know, and, and, it's, and it's great to have a, a purpose that's transformative. And if it's a massive transformative purpose, it's something that could be impactful as well. So companies, and you will see this, especially from singularity.net, they talk about MTPs, Peter Diamandis and lots of other people as well. If you look at Elon Musk, in terms of he's got his own massive transformative purpose as well. Very specific questions, and he's executing on that. Um, and that's pulling people together as well. And I think if we have individual purposes and we've got community and purposes for humanity, um, this could more unite us, especially if people can agree on that as well. So, so what I will, what I want to do here is very, very quickly. I'm, I've got a kind of a summary slide, and if people want to go into more detail, because clearly we're not going to go into um, all of it because it's it's uh, it's quite a bit of stuff. Um, but it's it's worthwhile. I'm going to have some more podcasts on this and we're going to expand on this quite a bit. Uh, but I think it's 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 really instrumental. Um, so. So I start with this statement where I, this is just, I'm not going to evolve it. This is not just, this is just a proposal one can modify. We need to evolve a dynamic, emphatic, prosperous and thriving self-optimizing civilization um, that benefits everyone in sustainable ways and in harmony with nature. So that's a mouthful. So what, what is that? What does that really mean? So I've broken this up and we can maybe just, uh, there's, there's goals that I can quickly go into as well. But this slide here, kind of summarizes the essence of that. So I'm looking at this on a systems level, a quantity level, a quality level, and a place level. So on a systems level, what does this mean? And each of these have specific goals that complement the SDG, United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. So first of all, we need to think holistically about our systems. Um, that's why we need all stakeholders to help get there. And maybe we should show examples of, of fabrics create blueprints of how it works. So first of all, it needs to be done, and this is what my belief, through decentralized, adaptive and agile economic, social and governance systems. And I think with the blockchain technology, with the decentralization, with AI, with the data, with the Internet of Things, 
we, we actually can create systems like that, economic, social, and governance systems that are, are agile, that are decentralized, that are adaptive. But now, what, is, what does it need to do? It needs to reward active participation and positive contributions to society and civilization. And even if you think about the future of work and so forth, even if we get to universal basic income and all sorts of different things, and I think cryptocurrency and blockchain, all of it can play an interesting role. We've got some interesting ideas. But if you can reward people for active participation and positive contribution to society um, and civilization, that could be a form of remuneration for them as well. Um, but, what we, but we also still need governance. You can't have anarchy. So, so we've got to have a balance. Everything is a balance in life. Um, so you still need systems to keep peace and protect your humanity. And we've got dangerous stuff. If you think about cyber threats or you think about climate change or nuclear or think about bio uh, uh, threats as well. It, it's, there's, there's so many uh, problems potentially for us. So we need to be protected. And I say in elastic ways because sometimes, say it's COVID-19, we need a little bit more control in that side, but we need to be elastic when we don't have that kind of problems where people can go back to freedom and we don't have governments exploiting the fact that they had to control things better uh, or more tight. Um, so it needs to be elastic in that way. So for me, absolutely critical is respect for individual freedom and privacy. So, so that's why my, my problems with digital dictatorship um, is where you don't have that. So on a systems level, that's hugely important. And then uh, quantity, just to summarize, and I'll be quick with this, um, uh, we can say, how can we use knowledge, science, smart technology, other tools, how can we democratize that in optimal ways, uh, human-centric ways that are based on wisdom, good values, and ethics? And what are we, we're always going to have problems. How can we use that to dynamically solve problems, create opportunities in abundance, and share the benefits with everyone? So that should be there. So we can create, that's why I call quantity. And there's wisdom there. You can see those kind of icons that I'm using there. And then quality. For me, this is really, if you think about what does it come back to, you think about our um, meaning of life and purpose and all sorts of stuff. We want to try and maximize quality of life. And I think community building is huge. Um, it's almost like we're struggling with doing that. Um, I think virtues and character strength development is very important. Sense-making. I think people struggle with the information overload. If you've got AI agents and stuff that can help you with sense-making and, and all of it, it's, it, it will be important, incredibly important. It could be actually critical for your health as well because if you act on wrong information and you, you live your life by certain things that you think is true, which is not true, not in line with reality, you're going to pay a price. Um, so standard of living, well-being, meaningful living for everyone. Very important. And then finally, obviously, we live in planet Earth. Um, and we want the best possible liv livable habitat, uh, not only for ourselves, for all living organisms and the environment and our place in the universe. Um, so anyway, so I've got, there's, there's, uh, there's more. There's, there's actually, just to give you an idea, there is, there is for each of these uh, uh, dimensions uh, here, I've got very specific goals in terms of what it means and and one can dig into that but i'm not going and i'm commenting on on the in the sdgs where they're fitting but also where they potentially um there's issue with that uh, but people can go through this uh, they can read the book um i'm going to have a lot more discussions on this um i think it's, it's pretty important uh, and maybe just want to 
end with this thing here. We want to give each child the opportunity to maximize quality of life and, and then the building uh, um, sense-making, well-being, meaningful living, all of those kind of things. You want to optimize those kind of things. So that's kind of, and I know this is also close to your heart in terms of your, uh, the initiatives that we've been talking about. But anyway, yes. yeah. <laughs> I want to, um, we normally have these uh, sessions till nine, we've booked till 9.30, we don't have to go that long, but what yeah. we'll do if we start seeing some delegates drop off, because they might have nine o'clock meetings, then we'll maybe uh, cut it down a bit. Uh, there yeah. is a question, um, Jacques, around whether we can share these slides uh, that Liz yes. you've sent us. Are you happy with Most that? Welcome. Most welcome. I'm going to quickly, uh, everyone put that link, it's a, I think it's a Dropbox or Google Drive link in the chat box so you guys will see the link there uh, because again there's there's so much in these slides that's worth going through and it's going to take some time uh, as i i've spent quite a bit of time on it um Jacques. i want to get to the book but before that i want to quickly uh, do a or look at a question from francois sierges and just a, a shout out to him he works with uh, blue turtle local organization that's also doing interesting work in the smart technology era in the smart automation space so uh, francois good to see you uh, on the webinar his question is is adoption of ai or smart technology a block for companies to grow due to union influence specifically around job creation and i think if we think of our local banks in particular yeah. Um, again, whether it's uh, firstly there's the ethical and moral issue around getting rid of people, but then there's the business reality, the environment we work in. Uh, yeah. So, what if you can't upskill people and you have to cut headcount uh, in a unionized? Uh, you know, what what advice would you give your your banking clients, for instance, on this? Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's. Listen, this is. Uh, uh, obviously, when you think about a business, they need to survive and they need to deploy smart technology to help make them more efficient. So I fully understand, if you think of also the man-machine intelligence continuum, I've got a slide on that as well, that talks about um, assisted, augmented, and autonomous intelligence. We can see a lot more of that. We already see with robotic process automation, you see that we can create efficiency and potentially, um, well, you might need less people in call centers uh, as well because of that type of thing. Um, so I think what one needs to do is, and, and I do talk about, I've got a chapter in the book, talks about AI-driven digital transformation. And how do we do this responsibly? Um, and I think when you implement any AI kind of solution, you can't just think about the, the, the solution, the, the, the technology part of it. You've got to think about the people, the processes, the impact. How do we, when you implement something like that, you also need to think about its impact, its effect. How do I empower the people that's impacted how do I adopt their roles, their jobs, their tasks within jobs to work with the technology in smart ways and, and make sure you, you, you skill them up as well? So I think there's a responsibility that banks and companies have to say, can we, in our world, do this right? We, we're still human-centric, we still empower the individual, but still get the benefit of AI to actually become more efficient, more productive, all of it. And I know it's kind of a, so one shouldn't be sh short-sighted here uh, in terms of, of cost. And obviously, one needs to be adaptive and agile, and it won't be a perfect solution. Um, I think, uh, but, but I think one needs to look at the five pillars, as I've mentioned. You look at the strategy, you look at the people, uh, processes, data technology, and, 
and, and see how everything is being impacted as you implement these kind of solutions. Um, but I do delve into that quite a bit. I also talk about the AI-driven workplace, uh, human-centric work, workplace, the last section in Chapter 11. Um, and that's worth, I've, I've really, um, apart from my own thinking there, I've, I've really done some research and, and, and got really good insights there that, that could help steer people. In. It's very condensed. There's lots of good information. That's why I'm going to unpack each part, each section as well. Um, so, good, great question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Jacques, I, I remember when I read through your book, I think the day it was on Amazon, you sent me a message and I downloaded it. But it's not a, it's, firstly, it's a book you don't have to read from finish to start. Yeah. Because there are specific sections. But also, there's so much to think about that I will, and I love, I read a lot, but I'll read a section and then I said, no, I, can, I need to go have a, a scotch now and just go think through all this stuff. Or, or hopefully, if it's early in the day, a, a coffee, not a scotch. But, um, so, so definitely, I want to talk more about the book. What I do want to do is maybe quickly just go to another shout out and question from uh, Prof. Maria Kiet from UCT. Yeah, I'll I know the question now, but okay, <laughs> it's, it's close to my heart. I, I wrote a piece in Business Day a few weeks ago. It was called um, "In the Digital World, My Face Is Mine No More." And today on IT Web, a little later on, you'll see a piece called "Our Biometric Future," because yes. again, when I think about my son. What future, what's his facial recognition going to do to him and so forth? But this is a very relevant question from Prof. Kiet. There have been several issues with some of the AI applications, including the use of enabling the so-called surveillance capitalism. Very yes. relevant. It acts out as an anti-democratic force. How would you suggest to address that? More policy, more ethics training, um, or some other way? Because I think, uh, Jacques, it's here to stay, um, a biometrics uh, surveillance. But how do we rein it in? And can we? Or is it already too late, do you think? I, I think this is, this is why I've got this one slide where I talk about this runaway train. It's, uh, maybe I should show that. Mm. <laughs> but yes. but uh, before I start, uh, but I, I think um, it's, it's here to stay. There's no question about it. We, we, I don't, it's almost like we, we can't get uh, technologies here. So we need to adapt. It's almost adapt or die. <laughs> a kind of a scenario. Um, that's why, and I think we are at a critical juncture because you will see governments seeing this as a as a way to give them more power um, to to do good things as well. It could be under the veil, under the they can see the intentions. We actually, it's like with China, well, they're trying to say we're doing this to protect our citizens, and this is in the best interest of China going forward, and so so forth. But. It's a real concern in China. I worry about the, the, the vigils that sit there uh, in China. And, and, and uh, I think we do have a, a, a real big issue there as well. Um, so this is the slide that I, <laughs> this is kind of a little visual. Extremely dangerous times where it's critical thinking our feet to make the right choices to not only save our lives and get control of the situation, but also shape a better future of all of humanity. So there's urgency here. And, mm -hmm. and, and, is it, your question is, is it too late? Um, I don't think it's too late. It's, but because we're sitting, as humans, we used to linear, see time linear. We're sitting on exponential curves where things suddenly will happen quickly and we are suddenly surprised. And we can easily end up in a, in, a, in a world, and I do have a chapter, a section of the book that talks about the current civilization is in a problematic trajectory. Um, where we struggle with sense-making, we see it in the U.S., we see it internationally, meaning-making, wealth gaps, job loss, catastrophic risk, all of these kind of things, discrimination and stuff. And 
what Professor Maria Kitt is saying is absolutely true. This, it is, with all the great that you can achieve with smart technology, it could actually create a, a really bad future for us as well. So, and, and it's, it is there. So that's why um, I'm driven by, I've got, I'm passionate about it. I know you're also passionate about this and how we can use smart technology and direct it in the navigate things for social good and augmenting humans. I think it's absolutely critical. So, and this, this, that's why I'm talking about visionary leadership, collective, collective sense making. And even if I think about COVID-19, there could be better ways for governments to treat this. Why did we get this conspiracy theories and stuff, but why do we um, just make information available and provide good sense making so that people understand what is the risks involved with all the things. So you can see the positive and negatives and then say, this is the reasons. We know it's risky, so, but this is the reasons we're doing this for, for everyone. So I think it could be better sense making, better collaboration, better wisdom, more practical actions to steer us in, a, in, a, in the right direction. Um, yeah, anyway. <laughs> okay. Wow. Let right. me just quickly, again, I, I, there are one or two more questions we need to get to. Um, yes. As I said, we might run slightly over nine o'clock, so uh, please yes. uh, add your questions. Uh, Jacques, on, on the same topic, um, in, in the book you, you say that we're blurring the lines between the physical, digital, and biological world and yes. what it means to be human. And yeah. again, if we think of identity and the like, if, you know, I always and you've alluded to it now as well, there, there could be this potential good or potential yeah. bad, and the good could be veiled. But if I think of, you know, in South Africa, it's it's shocking, but one out of four people will likely be the victim of human trafficking. Um, so if I could have an implant in my boy so that we can track him and trace him immediately, and even if we talk about facial recognition, and if that implant can uh, predict illness, absolutely. So, but now think of his privacy and think of the future and what what if um these devices can start reading your thoughts which i think we are getting to the almost a thought police according to um you know 1984 or yes you know, so imagine you live in north korea and you pay lip service to the great leader but yeah. uh, behind closed doors you think he's a real muppet but now they can pick that up on the algorithms you know so this is interesting and i want to touch on this a bit um physical so our biological um, bodies um, digital world, um, the implants potentially, um, if we think of, and it could cause more longevity and, and health, yeah. but also yeah. the opposite. So how, tell us a bit about this, how this world of, of physical and digital is busy merging practically and what do you see over the next few years? Yeah, I think it's, uh, man, this, by the way, you just remind me of this podcast, The Medical Futurist. Where, uh, which I also recommend, and and he's going into talking about five years, ten years in the future as well, and think about what we currently are in terms of that. Um, I think this, that's why I'm talking about having control. You need to have users taking control of their data, and before it's becoming uh, to a point where we, we've given it everything away, we've already given lots of our data away in terms of what we do. So that's why we need to come up with solutions that steer that tide before governments or tech giants take control of our lives. How can we decentralize those aspects in a, to the benefit of the individual? So what does this mean? If you think about, you talk about blurring the lines. So, so physical, okay, if you think about digital, 
So we are going to create kind of digital twins of ourselves. We are, if you think about even our photos and videos, I'm capturing stuff in Google Drive. I put some stuff in Facebook. Um, um, there is, um, I know there's lots of stuff being recorded uh, by, if you think about or Amazon, TikTok, doesn't matter what, all these organizations are capturing. I'm using YouTube quite a bit. So Google knows about my YouTube usage. They, well, you can see it in the recommendation engines kind of things that they pop up and so forth. And we know that Amazon is doing the same and Facebook and my, everybody's is going to do that as well. So, so I don't think we're going to get away from a scenario where people, the moment there's choice to do things, they're still going to do that. But if we can still come in and, and have better control, and I think we, we are, if you think about privacy and think about GDPR and Papia, those are all actually good things um, that, that we can utilize but I think and this is where government can make a contribution because they can help to regulate. Um, what they can regulate is AI applications or AI-driven or smart technology applications. Um, and if they're really acting in the interest of the individual, they should, should say, I'm actually giving control of data back to the individual. This is their democratic right to control their data. Um, and if there's systems, and this, this is where sapiens.network um, is, is an example of a system that is not controlled by tech giants, it could be owned by everyone. It's, 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 it could be even non-profit and it's trying to distribute everything to individuals, but empower people with the tools to own their own data, to make sure everything, everything's being controlled. Uh, because it is, even, even if I look at what we're doing with Cortex and so we, we're obviously trying to optimize the system. It's a business and you're going to utilize data like all the other tech giants and people are doing, um, and companies. So you've got to allow some of that, but you've got to also have a, a situation where it doesn't matter what data, digital data, if it's my biological, we talk about the fusion of stuff. I think there's going to be lots of, data being captured there. It's going to be interesting about thoughts as well. Uh, that's kind of scary um, because um, if, if, if my systems are being hacked as well and it contains very sensitive stuff that uh, that is really, uh, that's me kind of represented here, a true digital twin, that's a massive danger. So, and, and I don't think we want to create, we actually want to be really um, uh, make sure that we um, uh, are very protective of of, it's almost like you can't break in there. It, it needs to be a, a very, very secure environment where my data is stored. That's why I think you've got to have these filters and AI assistants that's saying, I'm going to protect the data and I'm going to say all my interactions, all my digital connections with the world, I'm going to, it doesn't matter what it is, if it's biological data, physical data, whatever it is, um, I'm going to help optimize for this individual. I'm going to help protect this, even protect it from infringements from the state infringes from tech giants, from other companies that's manipulating me because we see social manipulation all the time. Um, there's a big problem in the US as well with their elections and stuff like that. Um, so I, anyway, so, so, so I think, uh, so I'm coming with solution. I, we, we haven't figured out everything, but, but I, can, I can see a solution that could potentially work um, and that we can create a better future. And I think it's absolutely critical. Um, if you think about, you talk about your son, man, um, he wants to control his biometric data. Uh, even if he plays games or whatever he does, he, he wants to make sure that I'm in control of that. So can we empower our, our, our kids and, and with, with that type of thing? And everyone, we need to empower everyone. 
Um, yeah. So anyway, I think there's so much there uh, to unpack. <laughs> You've said something important now, Jacques. If you, if a lot of my friends have kids my child's age, and and we obviously yeah. kind of daunted by this stuff we're talking about. And, and I think it's not about making them afraid of it, of technology, yeah. or keeping them away from it. Because they're going to, whether it's through friends with cell phones at school or something, they're going to be exposed to technology. It's it's instilling in them the wisdom of what yeah. to look out for. Yeah. You know, if you're playing a game and somebody's asking too much of your own information and where you live, for instance, yeah. what school, you, yeah. those kind of things. So we have to empower them. Now, talking about kids, there's an interesting uh, question comment from Hatsi. Hatsi, I hope I pronounce your name correctly. Um, uh, and whether you're here or she, I don't know. <laughs> but about, it's one thing to say we need to upskill people. Um, and, you know, I'm just going to put my own lens on, on your comment there, Hatsi. Um, it, it's kind of almost too late because, you know, we, we should have upskilled people much earlier. But, but he asks a, an interesting question around um, education from an early age. Um, I had some chats with uh, Dr. Ron Crisley, who was at Stanford, and he's recently left to Essex. But they, they've been working on some interesting things, and he didn't want to tell me too much. <laughs> but yeah. it's, it's to use um, AI machine learning to identify in each child or learner how best to educate them. Because yeah. I think we've all been through a one-size-fits-all oh, yes. sco uh, schooling. You know, some children learn better by listening, some by... Li so I'm a picture person, I like my mind maps, etc. And there's most likely all kinds of other iterations. But So not necessarily changing the curriculum, but the way it's delivered to the learner. Um, your thoughts around that, does that exist already? Can we do it? How do we better educate? Oh, this, 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 is, this is a topic, uh, Johan, that's very close to my heart as well. Um, and this is, and it, that you will see this in the Sapiens AI system. I talk about that quite a bit, but I do have a chapter in the book that talks about ultra-personalized, uh, we talk about health, wellness and so forth, but I specifically talk about ultra-personalized education. And, 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 and I think there are companies there are companies that's trying, coming with niche solutions where, and it's on learning management systems. It's on various things. There's some very, there's some really innovative schools that's popping up that's showing the way. So I think there's lots of experimentation happening in this regard. It's obviously not pervasive uh, yet, but that's the ideal. I think education will be disrupted heavily over the next decade or two, and it should be. <laughs> and it should become a lot more personalized. It's almost like we're still in this factory model. And uh, there's some great book about uh, the fourth educational revolution. Uh, I quote that also in the book and talk about that as well. Mm. Um, uh, it's worthwhile to look at that section because that section in the book talks about all the initiatives, all the thought leaders, the ideas uh, around that as well. Um, but there's no, no question that we're going to move to a world if you think about primary education, secondary education, um, all, all levels of education, we will become a lot more personalized. And it's almost like with COVID-19, things are getting a lot more digital. Uh, my son is just now at first year university and he's been heavily affected by, by, by this as well. And he's adapting quickly. Um, and that's the other thing where I'm not too worried about kids because kids adapt so quick uh, to things as well. But you still want to make sure to what do they adapt? So you can, they can adapt to smart technology, as we know, and so forth. But still, if the environment is not right, if we're not doing education properly, uh, or healthcare, or, or or governance, or our economic systems, we need to look at our. We need to fix capitalism as well. So I talk about that as well. There's there's so many things that need to be fixed in terms of wealth gap, wealth gaps, and all sorts of things. Yes. 
Um, but yeah, but on the educational front, it's I, I think it's um, we're going to drive towards that wall. There's no question about it. We'll see it in China. We see it everywhere. And I, yeah, anyway. <laughs> I'm going to, I think what I'll do is I'll uh, maybe ask you a last question specifically okay. on the book, Jacques. And yes. I'm just looking at uh, Tony's comment here. It's if, if anyone is joining us from outside of South Africa, please let yes. us know. Yes. And also, maybe in the last few minutes before we close, if there are topics uh, relevant to AI and robotics and smart technology that you think we should address in future webinars also please let us know the, the next webinar by the way in september we're still working on the date um will be a specifically about artificial intelligence and business and i've uh, been speaking with and are going to invite the head of ai at standard bank and the head of ai at multi-choice to nice. join us um because they really are in the trenches um, yeah. so look out for the rtpsa uh, emails on that next topic um jacques the the book Yes, I mean it's a it really it's an amazing book, and, and everyone I did put the Amazon link uh, early on in the chats. If if somebody says tell us about your book, and they give you five minutes, I know I give you all these all these horrible questions to answer in a short time. But, yeah. but tell us if somebody says why should I read the book? What will I get yeah. out of it? How would you uh, address that? Yeah, I, I think if if someone wants to make sense of smart technology in the world that we live in, uh, what I've tried to do is is to unpack. Uh, what AI is, uh, its applications, its benefits, its risks, its limitations, its progress, and likely future paths. Um, and it's, I, I even have these certain sections that's always kind of more for researchers as well. So it's kind of looking at everyone, but it's for the layman. So first of all, I would say is it, it tries to, it's a holistic sense-making journey and it lays a foundation to synthesize a more balanced view and a better understanding of AI and, and, what, and its impact. But it's also... What I also try to do is, is to, to make sure that um, I've got the best ideas that I could find to get my hands on and, and thoughts on this. Obviously, my own thoughts, but other thoughts as well, because we are, we are one civilization intellect, and there's so much to learn from what other people are thinking. And then trying to make sense, even if the AI debates, if you think about where we're going, are we going to, um, if you think about artificial general intelligence, um, and there's so many different thoughts about strong AI versus narrow AI and all of those kind of things. So I go into those kind of things as well. So if people want to un understand that better in, uh, and, and make more sense of it, the book will help you there. Um, it's also, there's a number of sections that's dealing with various industries. So if you're in banking or financial services or in consumer facing businesses, there's a whole chapter just talking about that and all the end use cases of AI in that space. If you want to digitally transform your business, AI-driven digital transformation of your business, there's a whole chapter dealing with that. There's a chapter dealing with the industrial world. Um, what does it mean in that space? And then, obviously, wellness, healthcare, education, chapter just dealing with that. And then there, if you think about government, if you think about uh, uh, the state and governments, if you are into governments as well, there's a whole chapter talking about what governments should be doing and what other governments are doing um, and and what is really happening on that front. So if you want to quickly get up to speed, we cover that. But then for me, um, it's, it's very important people understand what is the negative impacts, what is the social good, and I list a lot of stuff. And there's actually stuff that's kind of under the carpet. Even Google is involved in lots of social good stuff, 
as well. And it's almost like people don't know about some of the good things that the tech giants are also trying to do. They're really trying to, to, to make a difference there. But so I'm talking about also what does it mean to be human and what is the beneficial outcomes for humanity? So I'm going, so I'm going into specific sectors, but then I'm looking broadly as well. And, 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 I, th and I think it's very important to have the end in mind, to think about the broader, broader context. And then I'm talking th through the different, we, we are on a problematic trajectory and I sketched that out. And, you, and it's important for people to understand this is the path that I'm on. This is the path that humanity is on and it could go wrong. Um, but this is the, this is the possible positive outcomes. This is the beneficial human-centric future that we can also create. So go into that. And then we come into the massive transformative purpose for humanity. And I come up with very specific solutions like sapiens. But I also talk about what is ethical, trustworthy AI. What does it look like? And then also with AI-driven workforce. Um, what is the kind of 21st century skills, smart technology skills? So it's, so it's, it's really covering a lot of territory. And uh, and quite exciting from that perspective. Oh, I see. Tony's back. Tony's back. Just before I end to Tony Jacques, firstly, thank you for your time. It was a Very lovely good. conversation. So much you shared. Thank you that we could share the deck as well, which I did. There's a lot Great. there. I want to encourage people to get the book. It's really worth reading. And also follow Jacques on LinkedIn and, and Twitter. You're quite active and you share a lot of very interesting things, uh, Jacques. So I love following you. But again, thank you so, so very much. And, um, and also to Tony and, and the team. And, and with that, uh, Mr. Perry, over to you, sir. <laughs> thank you. And, and, and Tony didn't leave Jacques. Tony just didn't have his camera on. <laughs> like me. But uh, <laughs> I've been a rights for the weather, apart from grabbing a quick cup of Java. Yeah. Um, Jacques, certainly from, from myself and from IITPSA, a huge thank you to you and Johan for a very, very interesting discussion. And Johan, I really think we need to seriously chat offline about looking at making this into a webinar series that maybe do we do one every couple of months or something like that. Uh, Jacques, just as a comment from my side, you touched on something that's very close to my heart, right with your last comments about ethical AI. Oh, as yes. a professional body, ethics and ethical behavior in all its facets you know, is, is very important to us, the professional duty of trust and care. So we as, as technologists, you know, when we are engaging in these kinds of technologies, these smart technologies, new technologies, how do we do that ethically with yes. the right amount of trust and care? You were talking about, um, you know, protecting the biometric data, et cetera, et cetera. And those things resonate so strongly with A, me personally, and B, I'm sure with most of our professional yeah. body. So I really would encourage, I would like to ask, in fact, that we look at a, maybe a specific webinar uh, along the line somewhere about the the um, ethical AI, amongst other things, and the concepts of ethics in the smart technologies yeah. Yeah. Um, and the whole ch challenge of obviously cultural differences and, you know, what, what does ethics mean to different people and so on. Yeah. Yeah. But, but thank you so much. I also would like to thank our delegates for being really engaging on the chat. Johan, you monitored that extremely well. Thank you for that. And um, <clears throat> excuse me to everybody. Uh, it's, a, it's a pity when we have to say goodbye on these things. But Jacques, from, from us to you, thank you so, so much for sharing your wisdom, your knowledge, your research with us. Thank you for sharing your slides. They are greatly appreciated by our delegates and by ourselves. To you, Johan, to Dr. Jacques, thank you so much for joining us today for a really, really engaging discussion. I've certainly learned a lot and a lot more things to think about. To our delegates who've contributed, particularly our professors, 
Kit and Carlitz and um, I know Professor Carlitz's wife was also a professor, was online as well, Professor Margie. So to all the profs and to all the um, other delegates who've joined us as well, thank you so, so much. Uh, we just, as quickly as a last punt, we do have our Women in IT Women's Month webinar, I think it's next week, Friday, the 20th. So please, if you're interested in that, uh, or you should be, join that as well. We have our annual general meeting coming up on the 24th. That's governance and needs to be done, but we look forward to our members joining us for that as well. Johan, you have always been so great in organizing these things. Thank you so, so much. We really appreciate what you're doing and promoting the Institute, promoting thought leadership. Um, and Dr. Jacques, wow, you know, just incredible. Mm. Thank you all. Have an awesome, awesome day, and we'll catch you on the next one. Take Thank care. Thank you very much. Thanks, Tony. Thanks, Johan. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you, Jacques. Bye-bye.